Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 55 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I am your host, Christian Piles, and I am joined always by my mainest man, Willie Saylor, who is coming at you from Austin, Texas. I'm back home in Virginia. And uh, Willie, we are... Uh, another another Fargo in the books. You know, you were you got there a little before me, as as you mentioned on an on an earlier show. Um, so, are you feeling good? Are you starting to get recovered after a week of of the dorm life? I slept a long time the past day and a half. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I yeah. I'm not a na- you know me. I'm not a napper, but I did go to bed at nine thirty last night, just as a reference point. Um, <laughs> So about regular time. <laughs> you missed the end of uh, Murder She Wrote. I did, I did. I but DVR is great, so I'm gonna find out. I just hope Angela's okay. No spoiler alerts. No, hey guys, don't spoil last night's Murder She Wrote, please. I mean, come on, just a, just a little ethics. Um, but yeah, it, it was a great week. I had a great I mean, time. There, yeah, I got there last Friday. Me and Brad Key and Ryan Holmes and I. Our, our wonderful intern Devin, uh, and you know, so Friday, Friday to we leave Sunday, and we stay in the dorms the whole time, which is did it um, did it make you long for college life once no. more? We actually, me and Ryan actually giggled to ourselves on the way out. Like, could you imagine if we were still in college? Like, no, Can't like living. Yeah, it's a. It would have been a challenge. Uh, for sure, but yeah, it was it was nice. It was nice. We uh, it's always a good time. Hey, for those that didn't know that weren't there, um, there was an air show the last. Time. <laughs> yes, there was. And we were marveling at the Blue Angels. They were those guys are some of that. Some of that it's like okay, I get it, and some of that's like they are like feet away from a catastrophic wreck. Those planes are flying so near each other in like. Synchronization. Were, right. There were six of these Blue Angel jets flying at like 300 miles an hour, uh, five what looked to be like inches from each other, and their maneuvers were perfectly coordinated at the exact same time. They move at the exact same angle, and it's like, how do they do it? Like one little uh, moment where they're not synchronized properly could spell certain death. Yeah, yeah, and uh... – the people of Fargo turn up for the freaking air show. We had to take 
literally because the city of Fargo is under constant construction for to go about a hundred yards we had to take a, about a 10 mile detour around this giant field where everyone was sitting around people like dozens and dozens of people all over the place parked and watching this this air show all over like, look like you know aliens were landing and the whole <laughs> world was out to see what was going on but, it was uh, it was a great way to end uh, the week at Fargo I feel like uh Kyle Bra- Kyle Brackey was was mesmerized. He was like hanging his head out the window like a like a dog getting fresh <laughs> air. He's like, "Wow!" Like just just the wonderment of an eight year old. It was. He kept saying. It was cute. I was, I was totally wrong about air shows. <laughs> As though he had a very strong stance on air shows prior. Like he wrote a thesis in college on how why air shows suck. He's like, right. "Man, I was completely wrong." I was so wrong. I was so wrong. This changes everything. Well, you bring up a good point, too. The last two years, um, I, I don't know. It, there's been, like, construction and detours and, like, hey, Fargo, how about you save the construction for, like, a different weekend? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it added so much time, some of these detours you had to take. It was, it was a little annoying, but hopefully, hey, Fargo 2016. We're counting on a smooth ride. But you know what? Looking back... Well, we we got to spend some quality time with one another watching an air show as brothers, and um, you know what? So maybe we we owe a, a little thanks to the city of Fargo. Oh, I love Fargo. I I mean, yeah. Can we know, talk about this? Uh, the The contract is up in what the next couple of years, and people are wondering would would Fargo ever leave Fargo? There was a chatter. There was chatter a year or two ago when the contract came up. They they just resigned for a year or two. I'm not exactly sure when the contract's up again, but there was chatter. Um, if it would move, why it would move, why it should move. Of course, everybody from whatever state they are in said it should move here. Um, but he, there's a group right now uh, that wants to move it to Dallas. And if there's any, if there's any group or there any any bid uh to move what we call fargo to another city um it, that one probably the, the the group from dallas probably has the most legs oh. and ha- has the most uh momentum um because they seem to have a lot of logistics works out worked out in their ducks in a row but um the, the thing i keep going back to is it fargo you can move around very easily. The kids can go from dorm to the uh, facility to get something to eat w- without much, without without many problems. Who else has that? I mean, if you if you have Fargo in a city, in a major city, getting around is going to be tough. You have to worry about traffic. I mean, who wants who wants three thousand kids weaving in and out of traffic trying to get to a Starbucks? Yeah, I mean, I mean Fargo's it. I mean, kind of one of Fargo's advantage advantages is its disadvantages that it's a, it's not big. It has a small airport, but it has a small airport because it's a small city. But it being it being small is helpful because you know the kids can walk around no problem. You know you can get to food, you can get everywhere you need to be. So it's kind of like you're gonna have to pick your poison. I mean, other cities are you gonna be able to stay in the dorms? Are you gonna be able to put? 2,000 kids in dorms, or, or, or are they going to have to stay in hotels where it's exponentially more uh, higher rates? Yeah, and Dallas, I can't imagine, is going to be uh, any, by any means cheap. And plus, uh, Dallas in late July, that sounds a little hot. I don't know. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not saying it should be in Fargo forever, but at the same time, I I do I think there's a lot of advantages that a place like that. You need a small college town with a large indoor facility where you can put down 23 mats in a big stage. So yeah, I'm completely fine with it in Fargo. I, I am as well, though Though Nick Veliquet may um, feel otherwise after getting stranded there, missing his missing his flight back. But that's a, that's another story for another day. So the, the wrestling. The wrestling was fantastic. We crowned a world team member in James Green. That was cemented. That was the, the talk leading up to this week, of the week, etc., and it was a it was a fantastic performance from James Green. Willie, uh, some takeaways from from that two match series. Well, of course, I mean leading up to it, I wasn't I wasn't really high on the process that led it to take place to begin with. Um, and and frankly, but but on the other side, I, I thought, well, we're going to get the best guy. You know, we're going to get the best guy on our world team. And I thought that was going to be Nick Marable, to be honest with you. As did I. And um, James Green kind of – he beat him soundly. And I don't know if it was the process that led him to that. Um, he, he's obviously kept himself in shape. He's obviously improved. Um, but James Green was the best James Green we've we've ever seen. He looked, he looked really good. I, I agree. Part, part of me wonders if that was the best version of Nick Marable. I've seen him look um, much better before. And not we know that, that Marable struggles to get to legs. We know this, right? But to see Green control the mat, control the center of the mat, control the ties, it, it says to me, yeah, Green's a lot better now than he was. But I still don't know if that was the best we've ever seen Nick Marable. And part of me wonders if that's a... If the recovery time, it being a lot less than Marable's accustomed to, uh, maybe that affecting him a little bit. I don't know. I, I don't know if that was the best Nick Marable we've ever seen either. But, um, and I don't know if it, it, if the recovery time did have anything to do with it. But it's good to find out there than than at Worlds. Um, yeah. What if he, if he had struggles making weight at Worlds and turned in? that performance um, where he didn't look like he was clicking uh, that too. But um, it goes with style too. You, you say that Nick Maribel struggles to get to legs. I don't think so much that he struggles to get to legs. Um, what? Uh, now hear me out. Here. Okay. I think he wrestles so tactical that he only gives himself one or two opportunities about to get to the legs. Agreed. Uh, um, so I don't know if you can say Nick Marable's abilities make it so that he struggles to get to attacks. Well, that was that was my point. Was it's not because he didn't get to legs. He never really gets to legs. My point was but, the, the, right, right, right. But he never really gets to legs. Not because he's physically unable. It's because he wrestles a style where the match is going to come down if if you allow it. Um, it's going to come down to one or two key situations a match. Yeah. And and I say the same thing about Jordan Oliver. Um, I don't think they open up. Right. I don't think they open up. So, if you, Now, let's talk about the, the exchange 
that that I think it was the best exchange of wrestling I saw the entire week. When Maribel comes out in match two, and the whole time I'm thinking, as Maribel snatches the single, he gets to it. First time he really gets his hands locked on a leg. And Green fights it and fights it. And even before he gets to the tripod situation, Green's fighting. I'm thinking he is making Maribel use every ounce of energy he can on this. Then he gets him to the tripod, and Green, like, heroically holds it and holds it. Then he does the little hip float thing and gets the two exposure on Maribel. Where, you see, I would love to know the percentage that that position is scored from, at least a takedown, um, much less the bottom guy scoring. I, I can imagine it's a such a statistical rarity that that happens but green scoring from there was was the move of the of the week yeah i want to let me get the guys kyle or or ryan to like break that up a, a clip of itself maybe slow it down um because that was awesome and um he fought the position well and i asked i asked snyder after the match about that situation he said that it um it was Jeff Buxton who worked with him on that. Wow. Wow. So Jeff Buxton got a, a little hand in uh, in James Green as well. That it was it was an amazing exchange, and I, I came away. You know, you feel really good that that Green's going to be the guy. He looked good, and um, did you feel too like? Did you feel too like James? I, I mean, trained for one guy. Of course, you're wrestling one guy, but. Um, I thought I thought he had him scouted well. Oh yes. Oh, I completely agree. I think he uh, he it, it was a chess match. It was a chess match, and Green had an answer for nearly every position, every situation. Um, but, but again, when when a guy only goes to an attack once or twice a match and and does things so repetitively, uh, you can it, you can. Scout him for that. You can you can go to what you need to go to in certain situations because you know the the things that he does are are limited almost. Oh, I agree. I agree. And I think you give a lot of credit to Snyder, Manning, and you know probably Burroughs too for for getting him ready. And I I felt like Green's demeanor throughout the whole process was 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 admirable. I mean, this is you know one of the biggest moments, the biggest decisions of his life. Um, being made about him, I guess not. It wasn't his decision, but this whole process, you know, this him being on the world team, being dragged out over a month and change, and he stayed extremely positive. Yeah, he's like it's cool. Like he didn't ever seem route. Now maybe that's a, you know, a front and deep down, he's he's kind of it's almost like self talk. He's telling himself, but uh, really, I mean, I we got to watch him warm up uh, the day before. We got to watch him work out. He just seemed totally cool. Um, the entire time about it. So I don't know if that was just him oozing confidence or, you know, hey, whatever happens, happens. He said in his interview he wanted to prove he was the best guy. He didn't want any chatter. He didn't want people saying, well, Maribel's the best guy, but he just didn't get a wrestle off. So uh, maybe it was really important for him to have to prove it this way. Yeah. Um, and, and, too, it might be – this whole process has been weird, right? But Extremely. <laughs> Uh, at the end of the day, all the oddities about it might be preparing James Green to be the best James Green going to Vegas. And that was something that um, I'm glad you mentioned that, Willie, because 
that was something that Green mentioned that that Manning was telling him. You know, there's there's other examples of guys who have this like prolonged process for making the world team, like you know Coleman did in uh, 2012 when he took Olympic bronze, et cetera. Linland. Linland. And so they're saying, hey, this is a good thing, and they're kind of saying, don't you know embrace it or do embrace this. This is going to be this could be very helpful. It doesn't put you behind the eight ball in your training. If anything, it's going to keep you more prepared for Vegas. So yeah, it at the end of it all, he could be extremely ready and more prepared to to do it big in Vegas and you got to feel good about that. Certainly there's still so much time, right? It's September. He's got well over a month. He's going to have some time, he mentioned to recover, to rest, and um you figure he's going to be more than ready and clicking on all cylinders when Vegas rolls around. And it was, uh, I, I thought it was a classy move from Marable, who kind of, uh, since this all had gone down, kept kept kind of a low profile, low profile on social media, but he reached out and said, "Hey, congrats to James." I'm not. This isn't a quote, but it was something of, congrats, congratulating James and saying, "Hey, go get the gold." So it, it was a classy um, it, gesture really from Marable, and when you know, you a goal and something that I I figure. I mean, if you're Nick Marable, this this is a, this is a pretty disappointing thing for for you to go through this process for you know for people like us to insinuate the things we've insinuated, and then to, at the end of it all, you don't make the world team. For him to have that kind of a positive outlook and to send a, a gesture like that, I think it speaks volumes to uh, about yeah. who he is. Complete class act. Um, you know, through throughout this process. Uh, Maribel has, I, I don't know, maybe become a little bit of a, a villain, maybe. Um, but I don't know. As we said, as we said a million times, if it happened to us, if it happened to me, um, I think I would have done the same thing. Um, but to be, so to he be is maintaining. Point. He is maintaining. You know what? And what we're talking about and what he maintains are very different things. You know, he. Right. You know. Right. Uh, but okay, whether. Whether we said what we said on FRL at all, um, the public perception was what the public perception was. Right, um, right. So, but it was a it was a very classy gesture, and you know what? These guys are going to go separate ways now. Right so now, in in the twenty sixteen, Maribel will go up, James Green will go down. They're going to compete twenty po- pounds apart from where they just wow. wrestled a week ago. Think about it. From yeah. you know one forty three to one sixty three and a half and a half, um, it speaks to the the real size difference. Now Green's going to be big at sixty five, and and let's go right to that. Um, these guys going their separate ways. How, I mean, is Green the favorite in, in twenty sixteen? Or uh, for for me, I think Metcalf's the favorite till he's not the you know till someone yeah. proves otherwise. Yeah, sure. Um, but I think you know I think that James has picked up steam like James James has opened all of our eyes um, that he's a real threat to Brent Metcalf um, now Brent Brent has proven that he's I don't know darn near untouchable at 43 without like without James Green right like you don't you don't take a you don't take a Frank Molinero to beat Metcalf um on paper, you know, you don't take a Jordan Oliver, no, but can can a Jordan Oliver? Can James Green get through a Jordan Oliver? Right. Can James Green get through a, a, a um, uh, 
Jimmy yeah. Kennedy, Frank Molinaro, right. some of these guys, Logan Steber. Right. So when when you say who's going to win the spot, James Green or Brent Metcalf? Well, um, James has to get through a lot of hurdles. He right? does. We, we've seen Brent beat all these guys. We haven't seen James beat all these guys. In a one in a one on one match, like if you told me. Okay, we're going to decide the world team at 143 next year, and it's going to be James Green versus Brent Metcalf. I'd say, yeah, James has a real shot. Um, but now you're, if you tell me that he has to clear all these guys, it makes it much diff- more difficult. So it comes down to a couple things for, for me. One, if, Mer- if Metcalf medals at Vegas, then he's sitting for, for the trials. That's huge. That is such a, a tremendous advantage. Now, if he doesn't, really, the, it comes down to the, the U.S. Open. You know, whoever uses, has a U.S. Open, they'll get to sit in the finals. And I think that's just proven to be such an advantage. And I think Green looked really good when he was fresh um, against Maribel. Didn't have to endure the whole challenge bracket. That's a that's a big factor. So something to think about. Not only are we watching Metcalf to see how he does against the world competition, but for all of these guys. Remember that they'll they'll be sitting in the trials finals. If well, what if, if this they achieve though? That. You know what happens? What let's if Green just, does? Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. I I don't know. Let's just say that Metcalf takes fifth or something, right? Mm-hmm. And and Green takes bronze. Now, does Green sit? But it's not the same weight class. I I would guess no, and I would probably hope no because you you don't want. Yeah, you meddled at this weight, but A, it's a non-Olympic weight. And, Willie, I know you're not going to want me to say this, but it's the fact that they are not traditionally as deep or tough as the Olympic weights. Should they be? Yeah. I mean, I don't think people should shy away from these weights, but the fact is it happens. So you can't have someone sitting when they're for, for their accolades at a different weight, a higher weight, and, um, and maybe unrelated, a potentially inferior weight. Yeah. I, well, I mean – I don't know. I don't really know how I feel about that. I mean, be, uh, here's the thing. <clears throat> we are judged on medals. And and if you win a medal, I don't care what weight it's at, USA Wrestling is going to be stoked. And USA Wrestling is going to want to reward you because medals are a reflection of their program's um, status. Very tangible. And, right. Yeah. So... Um, I don't know if they will or they won't. I don't either. I don't either. Um, but I would imagine no. That would be my and, guess. And remember, I, I, I'm not sure of the process. You know that the U.S. opens in December this year. Right. So if, like, let's just say neither of them sit in the finals for whatever reason, whatever whatever criteria they draw up, whatever results they may have, medal, no medal, um weight class doesn't carry over whatever the situation may be if neither sits in the finals um does the u.s open champion sit in the finals will they have to wrestle there right if if not why are you even wrestling it you know yeah Um, i would imagine that they're yeah we need to get that locked down we need to figure that out um, for our next show, we'll we'll look all that stuff and have that information for you. So that is the Marable Green Saga. It is over, and I'm sure everyone's probably relieved, even the Marable camp. Just that this is behind you. Now we're moving forward with our complete. World yeah, maybe. Team. 
maybe I mean there has to be a little disappointment right in the Marable camp. You didn't you didn't win the spot, um, but there almost has to be the pressure cooker, the the lids off a little bit. Like, all right, you know what? Now we're going up to seventy four. Build our body back up. Um, I don't even know if he has to build it up that much, but yeah. we, we we know what's in front of us, and what is in front of us is seventy four kilograms. At least they know what's in front of them. Right? And he's the, he's the one guy in in America that's beaten Jordan Burroughs. So yeah. um, that kind of gets glossed over and forgotten, but that happened. So he will certainly be in the mix. And you know, we always talk about the depth of of seventy four. Now we're bringing in the one guy that's actually beaten him. Um, and you could you could technically say in a way that. Kyle, Kyle Day kind of has a win over him in that the the overtime he would have had criteria, but not really, I guess. Not really. Not really. So that's it. Want to get to the to the actual high school action? Yes, sir. All I right. loved it. Yeah, it it was. You know what's you know what's weird slash frustrating is that you wait for, I mean, it all this the whole week builds. Um, into junior freestyle mm-hmm. and you you know it, it it graduates up this this level of of high level wrestling and and these stars and and what matchups you want to see and then semis happen and you can't even take it all in at the same time because they're all there's stuff going on everywhere yeah it, it's it's system overload i tweeted a picture of like the semis at one point in time I was commentating one match. It was like Fix and someone good versus, and it was Stroker Thompson and then like Kolodzik yeah. Moran or it might have been it might have been like Gomez Mueller. It was just like it's crazy. All these matches going on at the same time. It's hard to keep yeah, up. It all with happens it all. so fast, and so you got to go back and and watch matches and and look at uh, look at the results. But I think what we're going to do here is go through the guys that. Um, the guys that impressed, you know, guys that stock up, stock down. Yeah, um, couple guys re- really impressed me. Guy that ca- kind of came out of nowhere, Evan Wick, for me was the guy who's in, in my mind at least stock went the highest. He beats number one Hayden Hydley, beats number four Griffin Perriot, and like not just like he didn't out freestyle these guys. It wasn't like. Hydley's taking shots and expose. He's just exposing. He was getting the legs and finishing, getting the legs and finishing. Like he's got a pretty lethal single leg. Uh, I I came away thinking this kid um, c- can really do it. He can do it on the next level. Curious as to your thoughts on the Evan Wicks tournament. Well, I I missed the Hydley match. Um, I was watching other stuff and I just caught the very end of it. And um, from what I heard, there might have been. Uh, a, a tech fall in there for for Hydley. They didn't call it, and then Wick stormed back. Well, then... I got I got I called the match, so I can tell you what happened. Hydley was up eight, was working for a gut, um, and Wick reached through, grabbed the leg, and they determined he exposed or or whatever Hydley in okay. that in that process. So it was was it something where? You could have seen it gone too, yeah, but it wasn't like a super controversial thing. It, you know, it happened. Yeah. Uh, and then, so he's up eight going into the second half, and Wick immediately, like the whistle blows, he's in on a shot, and he just doesn't stop shooting the entire time. And for me, I, I didn't see 
a, a gas out from from Heidley. He he kept scoring. He scored some points that period. He scored late points in that period. Yeah, um, he actually scored a push out with like eleven seconds to go to take the lead. Yeah, and then once again, Wick was just popping the elbow, firing off the the leg attack. Got in, finished, and I. I I came away now. Thinking, his his final with Larry Early that was all out freestyling. He got out freestyled. You're saying? No, all Wicks points were freestyle points. Right, right. But it but it wasn't like that with uh, with his other ones, you know. No. Um, but credit Larry Early. You know, he he looked good, and he beat Griffin Perriot. And I think there's something about Wicks' pace. I think he wrestled really because Perriot was tired, and and you know. It was a really close match, really close match, and Wick kept the pressure on, and Periodic eventually went over and got pinned. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know where these guys are going to wind up. The Wick are they twins? There's, yeah, there's um, brothers. Yeah, Evan came in at at number ten, and I put these guys in that article I wrote about most pivotal, most pivotal Fargos. Yeah. Um, I put I put the Wick brothers in. Evan came in at number ten at one fifty two. Xander came in at number three. At 145, and uh, Xander took a loss um, early to a guy, a, a, a good guy from New York, Lenny Merkin, who, but he probably shouldn't have lost to him. Um, but then he stormed through the backside and had a really good, um, he had a really good tournament. His only other loss, I believe, was to Max Thompson. Um, so the Wick brothers stock up for sure. Yeah, and West Coast guys out of California, do you think they stay out west? Could they go? You know, anywhere. Any, I don't. I don't any think idea? so. I don't think so. I think they're looking at a lot of places, Midwest schools, East Coast schools. They're looking all over. Okay. I don't. I don't think they necessarily stay out west. Nice. Any any inclinations at all? Any guesses? A couple. Or do you think they're just looking Big Ten power schools or what? Uh, you know, when I when I talked to them, um, I, I thought they liked Iowa State. Okay. Um, so that's one. Who else did they tell me? Let me look it up real quick. Um, I know Iowa State. I think they did a camp there. In fact, one of the um, one of them got injured there at at the Ohio State camp. Ohio State. Uh, Iowa State. Okay. Sorry. Uh, and it's you know one thing when you're recruiting twins around the same weight, you need you need you need kind of a hole at. 49.57 or 57.65, wherever they project. Um, so it's there's a lot for both parties to consider when they're making a choice. Are you going to have a, a spot for them, for both guys, you know, for four years? Yeah, yep. So that's uh, the Wick I, brothers. I forget where else they told me. Okay. Another guy that I, I was super impressed with and was uh, – if you – after Greco, I was selling all my Bo Bresky stock. Um, mm-hmm. I bought it high last year. I was like, yep, this kid, he's going to be entering the pound-for-pound pound discussion soon. He's that guy. And then, you know, he loses his state match, and then he doesn't look great at Akron. And then a guy he handled in Greco and Kamal Bay beats him. And I'm like, man, what is going on with Bo Bresky? But he looked fantastic throughout his freestyle tournament. And – uh we said it. You said it. I mean, huge Fargo for Bo Bresky, and at the end of it all, you got to say Bo's back. Yeah, it, you know, it was weird for me to see um, 
Bresky struggle you know, that you know the loss in the state tournament. Um, I guess it was a it was a ride out situation against a guy, a very good guy, Mason Reinhardt, but a, not a match you should be losing by any stretch of the imagination. And and um, you know, I don't think Reinhardt had because I argued about this with with somebody that won at Reinhardt ranked after that win. And and other than other than beating. Bresky, a guy who he wrestled multiple times in rideout, Reinhardt hadn't had a folklore free win over any other ranked wrestler. So it wasn't a it wasn't a match that Bresky should have been lo- losing, even though the guy was pretty solid. Um, and for me to see Bresky taking these losses and kind of struggle at Akron was really head scratching because um, now you see you see kids ebb and flow, right? You see kids win. Uh, be, be a really big stud and then maybe you know be take a loss here and there when their styles are um really wide open or something like that but but Bresky has been so incredibly fundamental since he's even gotten to Fargo I mean this is a kid who I think gave up one point in two years at Fargo nuts and it's not just the way uh it's not just his dominance and his always winning it's the way he wrestles very very fundamental he, he he's among the most technical he's always been among the most technical and then to see him struggle a little bit um at the state tournament Ak- akron um overwhelmed by bay in in greco um it, it kind of threw me i didn't know quite what was going on with him and then freestyle he turns everything around and he says i'm back He's back. He beats Xavier Montalvo, my pick to win it. Um, my pick to win it. Someone I thought, and and I think that well, there's two. I had two takeaways. One, when I think of Montalvo, I think of a, a pretty prolific leg attacker, and mm-hmm. he did not get to the legs hardly at all against Bo. I think he got shut out first of all, but he hardly had any scoring opportunities. Bresky picked him apart with reattacks. He showed um, nice attacks of his own, good double leg. I, I came away really impressed with him, and you wonder who's who's at play, who's going to be going after, who maybe enters the conversation to go after Bo Bresky moving forward. Yeah, and and you know for a recruit of Bresky's magnitude, it's kind of late, right? Maybe, yeah. I, I mean, mean there's in, other in the current, guys that are in the current um, in the current recruiting climate. I mean, it's. You know, we've got Mark Hall's not signed, um, but well, there's still a lot of guys on, that aren't signed. I mean, he's not a, no, he's not even in the. Is he in the top ten for your senior um, senior big board? Yeah, he's number at nine. So there's still yeah, quite so, a few top tens. You know, I mean, Suriano, Pletcher, Keegan. But I Moore. mean, for being a question mark, like maybe Mark Hall's not signed, Luke Pletcher's not signed, um, Chad Red's not signed, but the offers are out there in hard numbers. I don't know that the offers were out there in hard numbers for Bresky because okay. you know what I mean? Yeah, now I do. Now I do. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think they probably they're going to be now. Now you you figure Wisconsin's after this kid, right? I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, they don't they had a good class last year. They got that Mason Reinhardt kid, but um I'm sure they could use a 74 pounder. Certainly, and that's where you think he projects 74 at the next. I feel like with his height, 74. Yeah. 
Yeah, 74. Maybe even 84. I thought for a long time that he'd be moving up to 82, but he kind of always stayed in that 60, 70 range. All right, those were a few of my guys. There's others, but um, any that, that stuck there's out a, to you you want to talk uh, about? There's a, there's a lot of guys that stuck out to me. Uh, um, Travis Piotrowski at 120, who um, his only loss was to fix, uh, comes back and takes third, beating a lot of good guys um, on the way back, including Ian Parker, who beat Austin Gomez. I, I thought Piotrowski had um, a really good tournament. Uh, at 126, I thought G Feller was everything that I thought I'd see. He's a bull. Um, you know, he lost a close one to Acid. He comes back and takes third. Uh, and, and the guy who made the finals at that weight, Natrell Demison, or yeah. Navante Demison, um, he had an excellent tournament. The way that bracket was, his side was a little less rigorous than the top half, but he beat really good guys. Yeah, um, he tech, I think he teched his way to the finals, did Demison. Before yeah, meeting up with Acid, who Acid con- continues to press me. I think people were sleeping on him a little bit, but now um, I think we're all wide awake to how, how good he is. And you know what I was thinking, and I don't know why this is the first time it kind of occurred to me, w- with the Stevan Micic stuff, we, we we talked about, well, they got Yutzi there, but he'll be gone. Completely didn't consider the fact that Acid's going to be there next year. Right. And he's a obviously he's a two-time Fargo champ. Is he on Michich's level? I'm not saying that, but you got this guy here mm-hmm. um, that's it's going to be productive. He's going to be a good college wrestler, and Michich maybe in the full two. They're going to, and I don't really like either of those guys at 33. Maybe Michich, but Acid I think is a he looked like a career 25 to me. Yeah, he's tiny. I I don't think he's big. He looked. I mean, yeah, I thought Gefeller looked much bigger than him. Yeah, so Demetrius Demetrius thing still out there, and we yeah lingering. Yeah, and uh, I haven't had heard any developments on that, but I think we'll be wouldn't be surprised if we're hearing something rather soon. But that's that's an interesting dynamic, and not that that would maybe force Demetrius um, to not go there, but it, in terms of Michigan's pursuit, right? I, I think that's where that's where it's interesting. And, uh, yeah, yeah, certainly should play a part. And you think, you know, with the scholarship dollars available, um, maybe limited because they already have money invested in the side. I don't know how much. But. Yeah. With, with And I'm not trying to get derailed too much on, on Michich, but I feel like we haven't talked about this that much. Is there much precedent for transferring after having such incredible success? Like, do we? is this something we've really seen before? I mean, the kid, great redshirt year. Makes a junior world team, um, you know he's going to a fantastic academic institution. I, I scouring my brain, I can't recall a, an instance where we've seen a, a kid want to transfer out under these circumstances. Can you? Mm, I don't know about after his redshirt year. I mean, of course you have Mako and right Brinzer and um, but they're they're different circumstances. Right, very different. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Very weird. Um, but going going through the weight class now, here's one. Um, Taylor Lamont looked Whoa. like uh, a, a different Taylor. Taylor Lamont has always been really, really good, and he's been like a staple in the Fargo Finals. And um, but he kind of got pigeonholed as as a Greco freestyle specialist, and 
Um, you know, he, he came to Flow Nationals. Had a, he had a good Flow Nationals, but then like he got he got majored by Sammy Sasso, who was a freshman in the three four match. So there's always been a little inconsistency there. Um, but Taylor Lamont, man, he looked like the best version of Taylor Lamont that I've ever seen. And so now, where does he end up? Where does he fit in the – I mean, he went from good recruit, good solid guy that, you know, can wrestle 125, 133 for you to, man, this guy is – got to get this could, guy. Right. So Does he enter, um, like, the, the Pletcher realm almost? I mean, I, I think it, it's important not to get too carried away. I mean, McKee beat him a couple weeks ago in freestyle. I mean – so I, you know, they and then McKee beats him in Greco after losing to him. So those two, I think, are are really close. And right, right. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that Taylor Lamont is far and away, and you know he pulled away from everybody in the 133. Yeah, I know. I know. Field. What I'm saying is, you got a glimpse of how good Taylor Lamont can be. Yeah, yeah. He's someone. That I'm, I'm sure he was on everyone's radar, but now I think you're right. I think he jumps tears there after that kind of a performance. Yeah. And you know, we always we hype the McKee Brock so much, um, and maybe perhaps erroneously so, considering the track record there. And now you consider Lamont McKee. Maybe that's the actual it's, it's, that's the you know, actual rivalry there. Yeah, maybe, maybe for sure they split matches a couple weeks ago, but in different styles. But um, <laughs> to talk about McKee Brock again. They wrestled four times, and every match has been completely different. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I still haven't even seen their semi this year. I was calling on another mat. I mean, you know, there's one match where <coughs> where Brock's taking twenty shots, and Brock scores on ten of them, and McKee counters ten of them. Yep. There's there's another match in Madison where McKee just laces them up or guts them up or something, and it's ten zero. There's another match. Um, like this, this one here was that Brock was really the f- whole first period. He was scared to shoot. He didn't want to get countered because of the last encounter, right. right? But then in the second period, when he did shoot, he scored, and it went from like I don't know eight zero to ten six. I mean, it, every time they wrestled, it's a little different. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right because la- back- last year it was McKee running him down. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but back on Taylor Lamont, you know, I'm here in Penn State, and and uh, so does that maybe t- remove them a little more from the red Pletcher? Um, I don't know because I think I think Taylor Lamont's a 25. See, here's really? the thing. I, I say, I say, I, I say, I Taylor Lamont, Penn State. But I don't know. I I hear this is what I hear. You say everyone Taylor, Penn State, Siriano, Lee, Lamont. Okay, let me clarify. I hear there's a lot of interest on Taylor Lamont's side to go to Penn State. Okay. Let me say that. Okay? I don't know if the feeling is mutual. I don't know if that means that Taylor Lamont... um, I don't know if that... You know, Taylor Lamont could have five schools in mind. All I know is that one of them is Penn State. Mm. Um, But there's a complication in there in that Taylor Lamont will almost assuredly take a mission. Oh, really? That's... Pretty much insured. I, I, I'm because some so. some of the 
the LDS guys do take the mission. Some some don't. You know, like Ethan Lofthouse didn't. I don't think Kale did. So it. All right. So well, I mean, there's there's that to consider. Right? Yeah. I don't. Know. Um. So yeah. Uh, moving up, Keegan Moore, I thought was amazing. Um, now Keegan Moore, the one thirty eight Keegan Moore. The one thirty eight Keegan Moore. Yep. The the Keegan Moores went in kind of different directions this this week at Fargo. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, one thirty eight Keegan Moore, West Virginia recruit. Um, look, I, hey, he looked good. He darn near beat Matt Kolodzik, and he made a a mistake that he <laughs> you could tell immediately he recognized it, and it was. It yeah, you almost. I, I, your I, heart I, almost broke. Oh, through. it did. It did. I mean, I don't. I didn't have a preference in that match, but I was like, "Oh, you don't." Want, I mean, that kid's just going to be thinking about that moment for, for the rest of his life. Yeah, he's going to be like, "I just, I just backed up in a match where you can't back up." Um, but anyways, I thought he looked really good. I wonder if they'll wrestle him right away. I've, uh, I'm hearing that that is definitely being discussed, and I think. I think he could go right away and, and be yeah, successful. Yeah, I do too. I think he can go right away. He can hand fight. He can move. He's got a he's got a D one looking body built up. He doesn't need to you know get way stronger and put up a, yep. a lot of muscle. He looked he looked really good. I guess probably a forty one pounder, maybe thirty three, but I don't know about that. That he would be big at thirty three, don't you think? He'd be huge, but I don't know. I don't think he struggles to make thirty eight. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? So maybe they have they have some flexibility there. Uh, but yeah, I liked I liked Keegan Moore a lot, and Keegan Moore the red at one eighty two, um, takes a couple pretty tough losses, and you wonder. I mean, you you currently have Keegan and as a the number eight guy, but moving forward, is that gonna subject a change for the the class of 2015, 2016, I mean, well, Keegan Moore. Remember before Akron, he was number one in the country. Right, and then he he, he, he to lost Webster. to Owen Webster, um, and then here you know there was a couple guys who kind of did the semi slide, um, Moore being one of them. Uh, he loses to Darmstadt by Tech, and then and then loses to McLeod, a very good McLeod. Uh, you know, in the preview I said that McLeod is going to surprise, and um, he took third. So. Um, did Keegan place? No. So he didn't. wasn't even a semi-slide. He must have lost in the quarters. Right. And then yeah, he lost he, in the, right. lost in the right. round of 12. Right. right. He, he um, lost Darmstadt in the quarters. Right. And you wonder if um, some, some teams are going to cool on him a little bit. We'll see. Uh, I, you know, he lost to two very good guys. I don't know. I don't know. I think people are still going to be on him. Yeah. Um, you know, the Owen Webster kids are really interesting. I mean – I don't know if I recall somebody like this. Owen Webster took fifth in a state tournament. Owen Webster what? took fifth. Owen Webster took fifth in a state that has three divisions. Oh my goodness! I didn't know that, Willie. He's. I like him. I think he's. That kid can wrestle. He look. He needs. All right. He needs to be at one sixty. He's the ultimate sleeper because this guy walks on the mat. You're like, oh my gosh, he's gonna get wrecked. And then he is super athletic. Can really move. He's got a lot of you know high level technique, great low single, and it's like man, this kid. His, got... Yeah, his match with Wisman was awesome. Yeah, another one I didn't get to see, but we'll watch eventually. Yeah, I like Webster a lot. I think he's going to be. And, and there, there again, there's another guy. You got to think that his stock went up. Even we're talking mostly guys that are re- recruiting purposes, but um, Wisman's a graduate. 
but you got to think he impressed, right? I mean, kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say tough, but I don't want to say toughness, but Dylan Wisman was really tough. Like, yeah. I mean, his gas tank, his will, his desire. It's I mean, not man. that it was a question. It's like, oh, is he tough? But there's like, um, not that we question his tough. It's like, we know he was like, that's like a skill he has. Like, he's super tough. He's super. It's an advantage he's going to have over a lot of guys he, he faces. I That was my big takeaway take from Dylan. I still think he needs some work on his feet with his attacks. Um, but, yeah, I think he, he can wrestle at the – at the next level for sure, and I think his time at Missouri, um, he's been there training this summer. I think you can tell that's been beneficial for him. Oh yeah, for sure. That's, that's I think that's where that comes from. How I about mean, Team VA uh, getting the Spirit Award? Yeah, that's cool. When the you know, it's cool to see what teams cheer like that. A couple of years ago, Ohio was big with that, cheering on their guys in the finals. Virginia, Virginia was doing it in the semis and and in, in the. Um, in the consolation rounds, good good um, situation there with them them cheering on their guys. Very loud and boisterous. Yes, indeed. Um, keep on. But, uh, keep her moving here. Yeah, um, a couple other guys. I thought Freddie Stroker looked great, but I think we knew what we had in Freddie Stroker. Um, but Patrick Lugo, Lugo, yeah. Patrick Lugo um, has been wrestling. I wrote it in the in the preview too, and I thought that he was. Um, wrestling very well coming into the tournament. I picked the Stroker Lugo final, and that's what we got. Um, but and he's I, going to I, Edinburgh. Yeah, once wow. again in in the deed, right? It's not that just he was winning; it's how he was winning. He comes out, he gets. Um, I think he got the first takedown on Stroker, right? Uh, I do. Uh, no, I think first, he t- no he got second. he got the second one, so he had the lead two two because Stroker mm-hmm. came in immediately, shot immediately, finished. But then Stro- uh, Lugo got a score, making it two-two. Yeah, so Lugo, I, I was Lugo, super impressed Lugo. with him. Yeah, and when I had I had Edinburgh's recruiting class relatively high, um, and when you get confirmation that Lugo is that good, kind of kind of solidifies that. Um, we talked one fifty-two already with Hydley and Wick, but another guy that I thought that this is a, this is a guy that has always been good, not great, um, and you kind of. Wondering um, what exactly, just how good he is, and I, I listed him in the pivotal Fargo's as well as somebody else uh, is Luke Troy at one forty-five from California or one fifty-two from California. Um, Luke Troy uh, beat Nathan Crazer, uh, Austin Crazer, um, lost to Larry Early, and then in the backside beat Wyatt Sheets. Whoa. Um, to finish fourth. So he beat Sheets and Kreiser. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a definitely a great tournament for for Luke Troy. So a lot of juniors uh, raising their stock. You want to get to some cadet guys here, or cadet storylines? Um, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about cadets, kind of briefly. Uh, Nick Ramo looked amazing. I thought um, that kid is so is freaky strong. He's an incoming freshman. Uh, he had a good accurate. He had a good. <laughs> He had a good flow nationals as an eighth grader, but he left the building and missed his consolation match and, and couldn't wrestle back. But Nick Ramo is a flat out stud and yeah, he won, t- bo- won both styles. And not only, you know, not only um, for, for, for a kid that's just going to be a freshman, he not only did it with 
technique and power and athleticism. He did it with some heart in the end against a very uh, game opponent that may, that pushed him. So you like to see, you like to see that. Um, so yeah. kind of uh, Alex Thompson. Oh Let's, wow! I mean, Alex Thompson's awesome. Um, I thought he looked uh, great. I mean, he had the. It, it was really a lot of stuff was just getting scored off of Thompson's leg attacks. He was kind of. Thompson to to me I think got out freestyled a little bit there but that you know that's the style they're wrestling so you your your strategy dictates how you wrestle in, in that instance but I came away really impressed with both guys moving forward but Ramo um, I think he was he was the kind of a the buzz topic you know it's like who is this kid how is he yeah. so good um, watching him how he wrestles so dynamic um, yeah I was super. Super impressed with him. Another big uh, kind of, and I'm not gonna call it a beef, but the Gable Stevenson Colton Schultz, number one junior high versus number one in the country. Um, there's some chatter a little bit back and forth, but Gable Stevenson continues to be that guy. But I, despite Gable running away with it, I w- was blown away by Schultz's ability because I didn't yeah. expect him to hang in there by any measure. Yeah, Schultz Schultz was darn good, and he he did. He scored points on on Stevenson, you know. There was a little beef there um, after Schultz won. Schultz won Greco, and in his post match thing, he said he's he's uh, excited to wrestle Stevenson, and Stevenson took it a little personal. And I, I mean, I told Gabe, I'm like, look, man, if when you were when you were not number one in the country, you really wanted to wrestle Jordan Wood, right? And he said, yeah. I said, so. You know, it's not a personal thing. It's every guy. If you're a wrestler, you want to wrestle the number one guy in the country. So don't take it as, as he's calling he's sl- you out. Calling you out, right? You know. So, but then still, uh, Colton Schultz scores some points, and Gable has some things to say to him at the end of the match. Um, but it's a good budding rivalry. These guys are probably going to be two twenty and heavyweights for the next three or four years, and and it, it it's a. It's a great thing to have two young. I mean, Gable. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen senior or not, um, and Gable's just a freshman. But I don't know if I've ever seen a senior in high school at two twenty hand fight and move the way Gable Stevenson does. Yeah, his his foot speed is out of this world good. I, I think he's just going to be, if he continues on this trajectory, continues to stay focused on the task at hand, he, he could go so far. And I, mean, I, I wonder about his. Match? When you match his hand fighting and his, and his heavy hands and, and constant head pressure with his foot speed and lateral movement, I mean, geez. How do you how do you beat him? Who's I mean, at, at the cadet level, cadet world level, I mean, if Jordan Wood was able to get second, you you feel you gotta feel confident that he's got a great shot at winning it, don't you? Yeah, or at least absolutely. meddling. I'm feeling very confident that uh, Stevenson will medal. Yeah. So that's Gable. Um, I'll tell you, okay, but we got to say something about Artelona. Anthony Artelona from Florida, freaking amazing. What Wins both styles, and and it's just, I think the kid's on another level. Really? Yeah. Good Lord. Man, is he good. I mean, I had him up there on the freshman big board, but uh, dang, that kid's good. Winning both styles is, yeah. Travis Whitlake from Oregon took first in Greco, third in free. Kind of let a match get away from him in freestyle. I mean, you know, kid loses a match, loses a match. That just didn't 
uh, to me, his stock went up, and his stock was already through the roof. I think I have him like seventh on the uh, freshman big board. Uh, I just think that kid's that kid's a real talent. Um, you know, so, one, yeah. one thing I noticed, and this is kind of slightly off topic. The I was I got there Wednesday and was pretty much watching calling matches from then until Saturday afternoon when everything concluded, and I felt like the the officiating was super good like i uh, honestly i was at vegas and i was super critical because i saw what i perceived to be a lot of errors here at fargo i thought they were on point no no gaffes certainly there's always going to be things especially with freestyle and greco you know it's a little subjective but i thought it, it was great i love the way they were calling passivity um i thought they were doing a, a really good job and reflective of who was taking ground, taking risks? I I thought across the board it was a fantastic job by by the whole crew. Did you did you have any you know moments you thought well big mess ups or do you have that impression as well? Well, for four thousand matches, I thought it was officiated really well. Um, there were a couple instances that I was like, uh, that's ridiculous. But I mean, four thousand. For instance, there was this one match where they called it. A caution and one flee in the hold with like ten, essentially a stalling point, you know, right? Uh, where I couldn't see it at all, like I just didn't get it. Um, but overall, I no, I thought it was good. Yeah, yeah, I just I wanted. Was, to, I thought it was. I thought it was really good. Wanted to make that note. Give credit when it's due. Um, couple, couple other guys. You want to do any any guys who maybe disappointed uh, a little bit or didn't live up to to what you thought? We already talked about Keegan Moore, him dropping two. As the former number one ranked guy, obviously, that wasn't a, a great tournament for him. We're sure he'll be back, but not a great one for him. Any other guys that stuck out to you that you thought were going to do really well and maybe didn't uh, have the tournaments you expected? Um, There wasn't really many. There wasn't really many that I was like, you know, like, I, I thought they would have done better. I mean, maybe Brock Rathbun I wanted to see do a little better. Um. His losses weren't his losses weren't bad, but they weren't um there was nothing in there to go, okay, you know, he's he's on the rise. Um I wanted to see maybe a signature win out of him. Right. You know, uh, I, I was going back through looking at our our predictions in kind of preparation for this to see, hey, who's someone we thought we were gonna do really well and did uh, almost without fail you know if you pick a guy to win and he gets third or he gets fourth, he he plays top four at Fargo. You know, it's like that that's not really whiffing or even a, a big letdown in a lot of instances. So I felt like there weren't many for considering the volume of matches, mm-hmm. I felt like kids really they represented. They they did they wrestled up to their level. If you lose They to are a, who they thought we were. Yeah. Are, and we didn't let them off the hook. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh most of the guys did did as you know what, what, what we thought they would be, um, with the exception of, of a couple. Um, yeah, just a couple. And when you consider there were over ten thousand matches wrestled, they yeah. anou- they announced it's like ten thousand four hundred eighty nine or something, something like that. And that's a when you think about it, holy smokes, that's out of this world volume. And yeah, most the the cream rose to the rose to the top. Yeah, uh, you know, you're talking about Mason Manville. Um, there's a lot of chatter that, you know, he didn't 
maybe he peaked or he didn't do quite as good as he was supposed to do. I mean, he lost to Larry Early and Hydley, you know? <laughs> yeah, I it's, mean, it's like, let's be real. Exactly, exactly. And so people may say, oh, well, Manville. No, guys, this is that weight was, in my opinion, the toughest weight of any bracket it, the entire week. That was the that was the yeah, for, for me, 52 and 82 were by far by far the two best weight classes. Right. And that was um, yeah, it was it was a crazy weight. I mean, think about it like this. Hayden Heidley and um, Austin Crazer wrestled in the round of 12. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the number one and number two guys in the country wrestled in the round of 12 guys. So, uh, Manville, he did a fine job. Manville. Right. What, and what, we do, can do? Maybe... what do you do? He go like six and two, seven right. and two. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And he gets second in, in Greco. And, and that's, and that, yeah. And that's coming off the, after Greco, which he probably went seven and one. So, yeah. Slow down, slow, slow, slow the brakes on Mason Manville isn't as good as he was supposed to be. Yeah. And I think I think Manville's actually a with and it's eleven now, so we're kinda out of time. But I think Manville is kind of a another topic just on, you know, maybe the the wrestling community's view of him and Yeah, maybe we'll get to him next next show, which would probably take place. When are we gonna do it, Chris? We're gonna Wednesday? do it Thursday, Willie. We're gonna do it Thursday. Come heck or high water. Um we thank you guys so much for tuning in to this fifty fifth episode of Flow Radio Live. Um, make sure do your job here subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher give us that rating I'm not even going to say how many stars you know max it out and uh, yeah thanks for that thanks for all your support thank you for listening and uh, we're going to see you next time for Willie Saylor I'm Christian Piles thank you